May that be the prayer of our heart. Change our heart, O God. You have your Bibles with you this morning. We're going to be looking at Psalms 19. Last week we looked at uh, a few verses. This week I want to look at just a few more, starting in verse 10 and uh, read verses 10 through 14 this morning. Um, If you're here in the building, if you would, uh, just stand with me as we honor the reading of the Word of the Lord. And for those of you at home, um, you feel free to stand up as well. And uh, it's just a great way for us to honor uh, coming into the presence of the Lord and knowing that uh, as we hear His Word, He Himself is speaking unto us. In Psalms 19, we want to pick up in verse 10, and it says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, and much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is the servant warned, and keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his error, and cleanse thou me from my secret faults? Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me, then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from, the, from thy great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord my God, strength and, and my strength and my Redeemer. Father, as we hear the words of the Lord this morning, and we echo the, the, the song, Change My Heart, O God. May the word of the Lord bathe over us and change our heart, O God. And Lord, as the psalmist David ends this psalm with that wonderful verse, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. May that be unto us, O Lord, the, the cry of our heart. Lord, I pray this morning as we come to break open the bread of life, and, and, and Lord, we look to you to see what you have for us this morning. Father, I pray that you would just move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross, that it not be my words, but your word, O Lord, that is spoken unto us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let me begin this morning to share with you that last week I began a a message with uh, um, the having a balanced diet of God's Word. Um, Today I want to follow through with the benefits. Uh, I gave you the ingredients last week. Today I want to give you the benefits of a balanced diet of God's Word. So let me begin with a little story. If someone had written a book so small that it could be carried in a pocket and so cheap that the poorest could buy it, And if this book explains simply how anyone who followed its directions could surely without any danger to themselves or others gain the highest possible honors and the greatest riches, uh, the supremest joy, all linked within long life, then I feel sure that everyone would want that book. If they could not read, they would do their best to learn in order to study it. And uh, if they were too busy... By the day, I think that they would sit up late at night and rise early in the morning to read it and to commit it to memory. What they had learned, they could think and and talk about throughout the day. There were any parts of it that seemingly virtually important but yet hard to understand. They would not throw the book away nor go to careless critics who took 
more pleasure in pointing out what they considered errors than in following what that and everybody else acknowledges to be true. Instead, they would go for instruction to those who had most closely followed the directions of the book and most surely gained its prize. Or better still, they would go to the author of the book. My friends, the Bible is that such book. It is a book that has been given unto us by an author, by God. This book is a book that we should hold very dear. This is the book in which God has given unto us that we are to honor and that we're to find joy in. It offers heavenly meaning. Instead of a long life, it offers eternal life. A life that is unshattered and has unuttered blessings and joy. And it gives to us a life without end. Children can understand it, even though philosophers are often puzzled by it. Like the cloudy, fiery pillar that went before the Israelites in the wilderness is a light to those who love and obey God. But it is gloomy and darkness and contradictions to those who refuse to obey Him and His Word. For us, a portion of God's Word, the Bible, ought to be read carefully and prayerfully and lovingly every day. Just as a fire needs fuel, fresh fuel, and the body needs new supply of food every day, so our soul, so that it would be strong and holy, needs something fresh from the Bible every day. Not only does the psalmist give us the incredible ingredients that are found in the Word of God that are, that are rich and, and wonderful, but it also speaks to how the, if we take those ingredients, there is a benefit that we receive from spending time in God's Word. In order for any of us to receive the benefits, we must do a few things. And I want to share with you those things this morning. First of all, we must have a desire for God's Word. Without a desire for God's Word, my friends, the ingredients of the Word of God do not become the, the rich dessert that God has for us. Notice, if you would, in verse 10, that he talks about the desirability and the value of God's Word within the context of both wealth and that which is sweet to the taste. So let's look at them together. First of all, there is nothing more valuable than God's Word. How many of you remember back many years ago to the MasterCard commercial from their Priceless campaign? That first commercial was aired back in 1997. And it showed a dad taking his son to a baseball game. And the narrator comes on and says, two tickets, $46, two hot dogs, two popcorns, two sodas, $27. An autographed baseball, $50. Real conversation with 11-year-old son, priceless. These are some of the things that money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard accepted at ballparks coast to coast. Well, you know, uh, I watched all of those commercials. I, I enjoyed those. They were a great set of commercials. But thinking back to that commercial, it definitely got one thing right. There are some things that money cannot buy. 
There are many things more valuable than what money can buy in money itself. And there are those things that are most valuable to us all. In Psalms 19, David teaches us that God's Word is one of those priceless things. There is nothing more valuable and nothing more worth knowing than God's Word. But not only just knowing, but keeping, obeying. There's a lot of valuable things in this world, no doubt. But the most valuable thing that people have is not the money in which we oftentimes value. It's not the earthly possessions that we oftentimes value. It is the things in which we receive in the, the Word of God from God Himself. In Psalms 19, David tells us that God's Word is simply more precious than gold. If you look at the first half of verse 10, I, I want to focus on that just for a moment. There, there he says, They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. The word translated precious here is a word that means desirable. Something that a person takes a great delight in. What is, what is the things that are most desirable to you? What are those things that you get most pleasure out of? I hope that you can say God's Word is one of those. God's Word is more precious and to be more desired than gold. But not just any gold. He goes on to say much pure gold. Did you know that there are different levels of purity of gold? The word translated pure gold here in the scripture is a word that speaks of the finest, purest gold of all. Today, we measure gold in, in, in the standard of carats. Simply, nine carat gold is simply 37.5% pure gold. It's the most affordable gold. Um, a lot of the cheaper um, uh, jewelry is made out of that particular uh, set of gold because it's, it's inexpensive. And then it goes up to uh, 18 karat gold, which has twice the gold contents. It's 75% pure and, and much more expensive than the, the other. And then, of course, it goes up to 18 karat gold, um, and there we receive a 91.6% gold. And, of course, what our ladies most want, men, is they want 24 karat gold, where that is the purest of it all. It is 99.9% .9 pure, all right? Uh, it is what we would consider 100% pure gold, all right? God's word is, as the psalmist David said, and David understood gold. Gold and silver was a currency in which they were very, very familiar with in David's day. And David said, God's word is more precious than gold. And not just any kind of gold, but pure gold. And not just pure gold, but much pure gold. And so we go from good to better to best. From gold to pure gold to much pure gold, and God's Word still comes out on top. My friends, there is nothing more valuable in this world than this Word. God has given it unto us so that we might have it, so that we might walk with Him day after day after day until He calls us home. But David doesn't just say that the Word of God is, is more precious than anything else. David also tells us there is nothing sweeter than God's Word. 
There's nothing more sweeter to you and I than spending time in God's Word. David simply says there is nothing sweeter than God's Word. Now look at the second half of verse 10. There he says they are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. Just like the first half of verse 10 distinguishes between the two kinds of gold, regular gold and pure gold, so this part of the verse distinguishes between two kinds of honey. The first word used for honey here is just that regular honey. It's that kind of honey that we would buy at Walmart, that we would have in the little honey bear. You know, it's sweet enough, it, it tastes real good, but there is something even better than that. If you have ever been around a beekeeper, if you've ever been around a live hive where the beekeeper goes and he gets the, the honey from the hive and he says, that's good, but listen, let me show you as he picks up the honeycomb and he pours that out and, and to taste that, there's nothing sweeter than that pure honey that comes from the honeycomb. And so David tells us that there is nothing sweeter, no, not even the sweetness of the honeycomb, than that of you and I spending time in God's Word. In comparing God's Word to honey, Psalms 19 brings out a truth that we find throughout Scripture. That God's Word is like food unto our soul. Just as we need physical food to strengthen and nourish our bodies, so we need spiritual food to strengthen and nourish our souls. And we find that spiritual truth to be found in many verses throughout the Bible. For example, Job says in Job chapter 23 and verse 12, I have not departed from thy commands of thy lip. I have treasured the words of thy mouth more than my daily bread. Or we read in Psalms 119, verse 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Or the words that Jesus himself quoted when Satan was tempting him in the wilderness. In Matthew chapter 4, when he said, A man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now food is good. But it's not helpful to us unless we actually eat it. You can have a great meal sitting on the table, but if you don't come to the table and partake of the meal, it does nothing for you. And in our clip as we began this morning, I, I wanted to add a little humor in there, but to end it, and I loved how um, Eddie ended it, it was such a seriousness about God's Word. Listen, my friends, when we come to the table of the Lord, we want to pick up that which will nourish us, that which is more precious than gold, but that which is sweeter than honey, but that which will give us the strength in which we need to live in the world in which we are called to live. Nothing can satisfy our soul like a daily allotment of God's Word. There is nothing sweeter than God's Word, nothing more precious and for the children of God, that's how we should desire God's Word. That it should be so precious to us that we hold it dear to us. We desire it. And that it should be so sweet and nourishing to us that we can't wait until we spend more time in it. But we must also 
have a discernment for God's word. In verses 11 through 13, the psalmist reminds us that yes, the, the word of God is more precious than gold. It's sweeter than honey. It it's, has its values. In Psalms 19, there's nothing more valuable than God's word. There's nothing more sweeter than God's word. But he says, if that's as far as we go with it, we're missing the value, uh, the benefit of it. And it goes on to tell us in these next few verses that the greatest value or the greatest benefit that we get from, from spending time in the Word of God is not only knowing God's Word, but keeping God's Word. You can't keep what you don't know, my friends. It's a great value to us just to know God's Word, but a greater value to us to do and to obey. Knowing God's Word is important because we can't keep that which we do not know, but we must spend time in the Word of God so that we can know it, that we might be able to keep it. So let me give you a couple of things that he says here. God's Word, first of all, warns us. The benefit of spending time in God's Word is that there are things that we don't know that the Word of God reveals unto us. The warnings that God gives to us about the pitfalls in which we are going to fall into. And that's why the psalmist David said, The Word of the Lord is a lamp unto my feet. Remember what that means is when you're walking in the wilderness or along a path and, and you don't know if you're coming close to a cliff or a pothole or a rock, what do you do with your flashlight? You point it down at your feet so that you can see that which is before you so you don't fall off a cliff, so you don't trip over a rock, so you don't fall into a ditch. The word of the Lord is there as a warning to us of what is about to happen to us. And so it warns us against the sins that we might commit inadvertently. The stumbles that we might take because we didn't have our eyes on our feet. And of the sins which we commit willfully and reward us when we read it by helping us to avoid falling into the pitfall of sin. Verse 12 speaks of that which Psalmist David says, that of hidden faults. Or those things which we, are, uh, we have a hard time discerning. Meaning that we, we're not quite sure until we trip over it, oh, that was not a good thing to do. And all of us suffer from this from time to time. None of us are exempt from it. We, we do things or say things or we approach things with a wrong attitude. And, and God then reveals to us, that we may not have done it intentionally, yet we, we did something that God was not pleased with. And he points it out to us and simply says that we need to confess that sin. We say, well, God, I, I really didn't mean to do it. And God says, I know you didn't mean to do it, but you still inadvertently did. You, you didn't have the word of the Lord as a warning light to you. You didn't put the light on your feet and you tripped over that area of life. The importance of the Word of God is that it shines a warning for us so we don't have to trip over those inadvertent sins and we don't have to fall into those pitfalls. You see, the, the Bible tells us that we all do things, say things, approach things because we're all spiritually insensitive. 
The more we dig into God's Word and allow it to dwell richly in us, the more God begins through His Word to show us those things in which are, are in our lives which we could do without. Those hidden faults that we struggle over. And then not only is it a warning to us, but, but the psalmist tells us in verse 13 that God's Word reveals things to us. Aren't you glad that, that God shows us that which we do not know? That which I know is not because I'm smart. It's because God has revealed it to me. That's the only reason that I know what I know. In verse 13, it says that God's word reveals to us or keeps us back from presumptuous sins. Now, what's the difference between hidden faults and presumptuous sins? The hidden faults, of course, are those things that, that we didn't know that we were, had a problem with until we fall into them and God reveals to us, this is an area of your life that you need to get right. But then there's those presumptuous sins, those things that we think that we can go ahead and continue to do in life, and we think that we presume that we can get away with them. Well, everybody else is getting away with them. Everybody else is sleeping around. Everybody else is doing this. Everybody else is getting away with it. So we can talk like that because everybody else at work talks like that. It's a presumptuous sin that says that I'm doing it presuming that God's just going to look over it because everybody else seems to be doing it. But the reality is the Word of God gives us not only a warning, but it reveals to us the things that should not be into our life. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we're to lay aside those sins that so easily beset us, those things that trip us up when we're trying to run the race of the Christian life. We must be willing to say, God, reveal to me those areas of my life that are going to cause me to stumble and fall and falter before you. See, we, we know that the, the sins that we willfully commit but presume that God will uh, allow us to get away with. We presume that because we have judged them to be insignificant as everybody else has, that they will somehow be insignificant in the eyes of God. You not only need to ask God to keep you from the unintentional sins that we stumble over in the dark, but you need to ask God to break the power of the ruling sin in our lives. And once again, the question arises, how does, uh, how does one do that? How does God do that for us? He does it through the power of His Word. In Psalms 119 and verse 133, it says, Direct my footsteps according to thy word. Let not sin rule over me. Or again in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. These two areas, the area of hidden sins or faults, and those sins which we seem to be uh, unaware of that sneak up on us, or even those more egregious ones, those presumptuous sins, those things that we do knowing that it's sin, but yet thinking that we can somehow get by with it. Those are two areas which set us back in our spiritual walk with the Lord. 
They keep us from being all that God wants us to be. There are two areas of sin, those unintentional and those presumptuous. And every one of them uh, cover every area of sin in our life. My friends, those two areas covers everything in our life. The sin that we do either uh, unintentionally or uh, presumptuously. Those which we do unconsciously. and Those which we commit willfully. Only by a regular and, and intentionally reading God's Word can we hope to gain the victory in these areas. We sang that song this morning, Victory in Jesus. If you want the true victory in Jesus, it cannot be done apart from spending time in this book. That's where the victory is found. His Word is not primarily just simply to fill our head with knowledge, but it is to fill our hearts so that we might not sin against Him. His Word is designed to make us holy, not merely smart. Only God's Word can save us from the power of the ruling sin and keep us from those hidden sins. Then like David, you will be blameless and innocent of the great transgressions, he says. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 promises us this. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge even the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. How desperately we need that. We need that tool to tell us the truth about our true feelings and our true thoughts and our true intentions. It is easy for us to be fooled. And most often it is easy for us to fool ourselves. God's Word enables us to avoid being fooled because when we read it, God opens our eyes and re reveals those things to us and gives us an understanding and an ability to see the truth about ourselves. It helps us to discern that which needs to be discerned in our life. Lastly, to receive the benefits from God's Word, we must have a devotion Please, God. David telling us here in verse 14, that precious verse, and just look at what it says. As we read God's Word, as we allow it to speak to our hearts, to direct us, to discern and to show us our sins and our heart's desire, should be that we are kept from the sins that are displeasing to God so that our lives might be pleasing in God's sight. This devotion is whole and sincere and extends to both your words and your heart. The psalmist David pours out his heart in this last verse, and I want us to, to just really zero in on this for just a few moments. Look with me again, and let me read verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now that certainly is a great verse to pray before preaching God's word. 
teaching God's Word, or even reading God's Word. But it's also a beautiful prayer for us to pray any time to the Lord. When you spend time in God's Word, God begins to change your desires and to seek to please God with your whole life. With the words that you speak and even the thoughts that you think in your heart. David's ultimate desire here should be our desire to be blameless, to stand before God in purity. The goal here is not to be sinless perfection, but rather to avoid doing the things which displeases the Lord. Psalms 103 tells us that God knows our frame. And now what that simply means, God created us. He knows us. He knows our sinful nature that lives within us. And the psalmist reminds us that he knows that we are, 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 are but dust. And he has a compassion upon us and he pities us as a father pities his children. God knows that we cannot be perfect. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross. Because he knew that we could not redeem ourselves. We could not do what we needed to be in the place that God needs us to be, to be in his presence. Even though we cannot be perfect, we must still have a strong desire, a devotion. A devotion that, that says that, God, I, your word is not an afterthought. It's not a, if all else fails. Or if I've got nothing else to do and I'm bored to tears, I'll get out the Bible and read it. But it should be something that we desire. We should have a devotion to God in His Word. It says, God, you get the first place in my life. The preeminence. The oneness. God, I'm devoted to you and to your word. This is the heart of David as he wraps up this Psalms, one, or Psalms 19. When he simply says, I don't want sin to rule over me. I want to avoid the great transgressions which will cause my life to be ruined. I want the very words of my heart and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable unto you, O God. And you might be sitting there thinking, how is that possible in the world in which we live in today? How is that possible with uh, uh, the media and the, uh, the everything that we have before us? As you leave this morning, for those of you that are here, I challenge you to read the sign. The sign has a good statement on it this week, and it says, Do you spend more time in Facebook or in God's book? You see, truth is, media and Satan has found a way to pull us far from God's book and to every other thing. But if we truly want to do that, we must recognize. Listen again to what um, 
The word of the Lord tells us in Psalms 119. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? And here's the answer. By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandment. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So let me close our time this morning with five practical tips that I want each of you to know that you can have so that you have what it takes to be able to have this kind of devotion to God's Word. Five practical steps that we all can take to receive the benefits that are found in God's Word. First of all, read it. Read it. Now you might be saying, well, I don't always understand it. Read it. I didn't say understand it. That's his job to give you the understanding. He just simply said our job is to read it. So what we're going to do for you all, and uh, uh, rather you pick one up today, here is a reading plan for the year starting tomorrow. Uh, And each week there is a segment of Scripture so that within one year from today you can read the entirety of the Bible. There's a reading plan for you. Now, for those of you that lose things all the time, here's what we're going to tell you. That every month when you get a new church calendar, on the back of the church calendar is going to be the monthly reading schedule for you. And on the front of the calendar each week is a prompt that says, don't forget to read your Bible, the reading plans on the back. All right? So we're going to make it as simple as we can for you, and we'll be putting it in a bulletin, and we'll put it on the big screen, and we'll, we'll, we'll put it everywhere that we can to help you for those of you that say, well, I'd do it, but I just lost it. Not an excuse. All right? Then secondly, when it comes to reading, not only do we need a reading plan, we need a reading schedule. We need to read it regularly, and we need to read it consistently. Then we need to make sure that what we're reading we understand and how that we can do that. Folks, listen, I want to encourage you, get a version of the Bible that you can understand. Read it so that you understand it. Read it so that it is clear to you. The second thing that we see is that not only are we to read it, but once we've read it, then the second step is to reflect upon it. Now, reflect, or as we oftentimes use the word meditate, simply means to think about it. Uh, The best time for us, for for many of us to be able to to reflect upon what we've read is if we read in the morning so that we can reflect upon it throughout the day, giving us an opportunity to, to think about those things in which we have read that morning so that maybe God will open up an opportunity for us to share that with someone else. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. So meditate upon it. Think upon what God's Word, perhaps writing it down on a card or or a sticky note and and putting it there so that uh, as you go through your day, it helps you to remember what you've read. Ask yourself the question, what is God saying to me about Himself through His Word that, that He wants me to know so that I know how to respond to Him? 
Listen, my friends, we should never just read. We should always read with the intention of, God, what are you saying to me? First and foremost, make sure you ask the Holy Spirit to be there as you read. It is His job to give us the interpretation and the understanding. And so He loves it when we ask Him to be involved in our time of reading and meditating upon His Word. And then, of course, the third is remember it, or as we like to call Bible memorization. It's one of the most powerful tools that we can use out of our discipleship toolbox. If you hide it in your heart, no one can take it from you. And if, they're, if it's there with you, you'll have it when you need it. God will bring it to your remembrance just when you need it. How many of us have been places or in a conversation and, and um, all of a sudden a Bible verse comes to mind and we share it with somebody and then after the conversation we kind of stop and go, where'd that come from? I didn't, even, I didn't even know that I remembered that. You see, we don't always have to you know, sit there for five minutes trying to memorize something. If we read it over and over again, the Holy Spirit then puts it in our memory banks. And then he brings it to our remembrance just when he needs you to know it the most. And then fourthly, of course, is recount it. Regurgitating it. Bringing it back up. All right? Sharing it with someone else. Telling that person what God has told you from his word. Tell others what God is saying through the word in which you have hid in your heart. My friends, I think that we'd be all amazed at how hungry people really are for the Word of God, for the spiritual truths in their life. Um, we in our country probably are, have more Bibles in our country than any other country in the world. But I believe that as Americans, we're becoming the most illiterate when it comes to Bible. Just as one of those characters in that beginning video this morning said, oh, I have it. I have it on my phone. I have it here. I have a non-reading one. We have a lot of Bibles that we do not read. God never intended them to be a pretty book on a shelf or a conversation piece in the center of our living room but he intended his word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path so that we could share it with others so that they might see their way out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then number five is simply to respond to it. Respond to it meaning that we simply put it to use. We do it. What did James say? Don't be hearers only. Deceiving yourself, but be ye what? Doers of the Word of God. God never intended us to have a head full of knowledge, but He wanted us to have a heart full of Him. A willingness to listen and to do and to follow. God's Word is the most practical thing that we have. It's not something that only those that are spiritual 
can discern. I grew up being told that the Bible was a book for certain people, but not for you. That it wasn't for the common person to decipher what it said, but only the religious. Satan will tell you anything to keep you out of his book. But I can tell you that this book is for everybody. If you don't know Christ, it will point you to Him. If you know Christ, it will help you to live for Him. There is no reason that you and I should not be in God's Word every day. If we want our soul to thrive as we want our body to thrive, then we need to be eating the Word of God every day. Here's a plan. Here's a way. It's for you to do. If you don't have it, call us and we'll get it to you. We'll mail it to you. We'll drop it off to you. We'll get it to you however. It'll be on the screen. It'll be in the bulletin week after week and in the calendar month after month. We believe it's that important. We, we believe that we need to challenge you to make it that important in your life as well. Don't let this be a book that is covered in dust, but let this book uncover the dust that we have been made of. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the Word of God, for the ingredients that are found that are so precious. The ingredients that, that, Father, that when all put together, uh, Lord, they create benefits for our life. Psalmist David reminds us of how he found the ingredients of the Word of God and put them together and they created great benefits for his life. Now, Father, may we do that as well. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity today to be able to break open the bread of life be able to challenge your people to spend time daily in your word. God, help us to be faithful. Help us, Father, to know that if we miss a day, don't get hung up and quit, but just pick up the next day and go on. Lord, it would be more important for us to spend 300 days than no days. Lord, for those who will be able to make the 365 days reading your word, oh, Father, show them the mile marker in which they're at in their spiritual walk today so that at the end of a year, as they're, they're doing this and living it out, they will see how far they have traveled. And, Lord, they'll be able to give you praise and honor and glory. For the word of God has strengthened them, empowered them, and enabled them to walk with you. Lord, let the word of the Lord be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May it be food to our soul, energy to our, our sustaining. God, may you be blessed as we live out what we have heard. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said.
Well, thank you for visiting with us today online. And uh, for those of you that could not make it out due to the weather, uh, we hope that if there's something that we can do to help you, um, our contact information is there on the screen. Please give us a call if you would like um, the, uh, uh, the reading sheet. We'd be glad to mail it to you. Just call the office and give us your address and, or tell us who you are, and we'll be glad to get it to you. May God bless you and keep you until we meet again.